I had lost my house to foreclosure. I had lost the car to, to repo. They locked up my bank accounts. They, I had the sheriffs at my house every other day serving me with lawsuits. I had people um, across the street hiding in the bushes with video cameras taping me. Like It was bad. It yeah. was overwhelming. It was, it was the darkest time of my life. I, had, I contemplated and attempted suicide. I went down to Florida for that reason. Like, like I, I got to a point, I'm not a weak man. I got to a point mentally in my life where I'm like, I, I don't see a way out of this. This is episode number 148 with Billy Alvaro. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, sorry, uh, we missed you last week. We did not have a podcast episode for you. So if you're looking for one, we apologize. But we have an awesome show for you here today with our good friend, uh, Billy Alvaro. You're in for a real treat. I personally do deals, real estate deals here in New York with Billy. Uh, he's an absolute beast. Again, you're in for a real treat. He's an amazing entrepreneur. He has an incredible mindset. And, you know, there's not much about failure and success that Billy has not experienced. His story is packed with extremes on both ends of those spectrums. First, there's the part that, you know, how he went from tending bar to building a career in which he handled over a billion dollars of transactions and what impact a Coke dealer, that's right, a Coke dealer had on that path. Uh, next, he crashed right down to the bottom, rock bottom. He was $14 million in debt with no clear path out and his world was caving in around him. He was faced with total destruction and Billy tapped into his will and made a bold move that turned the tide. Today, he is back on top of his game, working with real estate investors and homeowners across the country as he solves problems and leads clients to major returns on their investments. He's made a stunning comeback that is packed with lessons on resilience and business expertise. And Billy talks about all of that in this episode of American Snippets. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with our good friend, Billy Alvaro. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. I am here today with Billy Alvaro, who is a diehard entrepreneur with over $1.3 billion of business transactions in his resume. Yes, that is billions with a B. He's also served in law enforcement in the Air Force. And he's built, lost, and rebuilt companies that have generated multi-millions of dollars of revenue as well, two of which are Max Return Real Estate Investment and Flipmasters, which he is still leading forward hard and fast and steady today. I believe he's also about to branch out into all sorts of new worlds too. So while his professional success is impressive, you all know me, you know that I'm about personal success and growth as well. And Billy's story of both of those has huge lessons for anybody who's ready to just take themselves through the challenges they have. And we are going to hit all those lessons today on the personal path and on the professional path. I promise you, you're going to love Billy, what he has to say and get past his New York accent, which I actually love. <laughs> She's giving the dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good to go. Billy, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. 
I appreciate you guys having me, Bob. Thanks. Good to see you again. It's it's been a bit. I haven't seen you in a while. It has been a bit. It has been a bit since yeah. the very first time I got to meet you in person. And then, you know, this what happens in life, right? Everybody's paths cross and verge and just think you're going to get back together and COVID comes along. Boom. Yeah. Off exactly. you go. Off you go. But <laughs> social distancing to the max. Social distance. I can't even stand those two words. They actually just Hate them. puke a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'll refrain while I'm here, but you know, just know in my mind, you just made me puke. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Billy, your story, like I said, you have been all over in Mixmax, and you know uh, what we do here at American Snippets, our, pla- our platform, our topic, we're all about the American dream. We believe it is alive and well. And now, honestly, while a lot of people think we're crazy, we know that it's important to double down on that. And we love to surround ourselves with people who are doing so too, because just because things are hard now, just because this country is sort of a mess doesn't mean that you can take your gas, uh, you know, your foot off that pedal and just and let go, right? It's time to really just push down. And that's exactly what you've managed to do really throughout your entire path that you've taken. When she goes yeah. sideways on you and it falls apart, you take a minute, you step back, you regroup, you assess the, the scene, and then you just attack again. So I love the lessons that that brings uh, for yeah. us as well. Let's just go into it. We'll talk people a little bit through where you start. You started in real estate investment at like 19 years old. Yeah, I bought my first house. And I, well, my mom and dad gave me, they said, we're not going to pay for college okay. because you were not good in school at all, but we'll give you a little bit of money to invest. And it was a few thousand dollars. And I said, you know what? I figured out how to get in with, the, with an FHA loan with hardly anything down and bought my first property. And it was a complete disaster. But I had that house for like, I think I had for like 16 years. Right. So you're 19, made me money. you're 19 years old and you figured out how to get in with an FHA loan. Uh, I'm going to just say this. This was before the era of the internet, right? Which is- Oh yeah. There was nothing <laughs> yeah. out there. It, it was like, like, you know, the, the classified ads. Remember <laughs> the classified? Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> phone books. Yeah. Right. So how did you, like now it would be a challenge to do that for, it can be almost like something that would stop people from doing, it, you know, overwhelming, even with the online part, but how are you at 19 years old, figure out how to get through the FHA? I mean, that's, yeah. So I'll tell you this. I've been an entrepreneur junkie since I was probably seven years old. At seven years old in my neighborhood, they used to do the firecrackers or the fireworks on 4th of July. Okay. And at seven, I would go around and take the firecrackers that didn't explode. And I gathered them up and I'd sell them for a nickel a piece to the kids in the neighborhood. God, I love that. Two years later, I said to my father, I want nine. I want to buy firecrackers. I want to buy mats. So we bought mats of firecrackers for four bucks. And Matt, I think, had 40 packs in it. I broke up the packs, sold them for 50 cents a piece, $4 investment turned into $20. So I started selling mats of firecrackers. I've sold lollipops, weed when I was a kid. Like I sold everything. <laughs> and you know, the key thing is I realized that I could buy for one price and somebody's willing, to, if I buy it in bulk or buy it at a discount, somebody's willing to spend more, buy for more on the other side, and I can make the spread. And so I don't know. I just had this, even as a kid, I just had this unique ability, this innate ability to charm people, to connect with people, to sell and to solve problems. And I just, as I grew and got older, this just started really coming out. And the bigger problems we solve, I was on with, with uh, Dave earlier, the biggest problems we solve, the bigger money we make. And you know, when I got into this business, I was watching late night TV. I was like 14 years old and it was Dave Del Dotto. I don't know if you guys remember him, the dark skinned guy with the mustache. And he was all no money down and, you know, pull out $16,000 at the closing table. And at 16, I'm, all my friends are hanging out. I'm hanging out, but I'm like, how is this guy doing it? 
And so I'd buy books at 16 years old and I was reading and I couldn't, I was understanding, but not really because they would always leave out really the meat. They would just give you like the basics, but they wouldn't really tell you the how, just the what. And it took me a little bit of time, but I started just researching and digging a lot of time at the library and figuring things out. And I said, you know what? I can get into a property. I had no idea about hard money or private money or anything like that. But I said, there's got to be programs. And I found out there was a program called VA and FHA. I wasn't a veteran yet. So I got the FHA loan and I said, let's figure this out. And my mother gave me a few thousand dollars. I found the property, piece of crap, went in there and I had no clue what I was doing. I started renovating it and hiring the wrong people and lost money, made money. But the thing is, I took a chance. I saw what I wanted to do and I didn't allow the fear of not knowing to hold me back. Yeah. I just, I failed probably more than anybody you're ever going to meet. I'm a complete failure. That's why I'm a success because I fail so freaking much yeah. that I learn what not to do real quick. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you've heard it as often as I have, or, or just seen it, you know, people just kind of shaking their heads and laughing when something, you know, you, you go all in on this, it doesn't go the way you think it is, but you take those lessons and you put them over here and you're, you've moved on, but other people are like, Oh, well, see this happened, that happened. Yeah. That's why I'm going to stick with mine. That's why I'm going to do this. Right. You know? And it kind of justifies. I'm like, yeah, but look what I'm doing over here. Like, yeah. Know? Yeah. They um, don't see that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. And, but it takes, it's hard, especially if you're somebody who doesn't maybe have that innate confidence in themselves or is just taught, you know, is raised in fear, right? Raised in scarcity. It's very hard to kind of change that mindset to, you know, from scarcity to a challenge kind of thing, right? So I love that you pretty much born. You have brothers, sisters? I have a younger brother, three years. And listen, my family, they would give me mixed messages growing up. Yeah. So part of my mom and dad would tell me, you can do whatever you want to do in life. But then the flip side, they said, but get a job, make sure you have retirement, make sure you have benefits. Yeah. So you could do anything you want to do on the side. I go, why would I want to live my life on the side? Like I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. I don't want to work for $35,000 a year just because I have quote unquote benefits. Yeah. Like that's not living to me. Yeah. And my mom and dad, because they were brought up a certain way and they were conditioned, they were not knowing they were trying to do this to me, but they were trying to get into my head to say, this is the way it is. You know, it, life is a struggle. People don't, we don't have a lot of money. Well, you're not supposed we to could. enjoy work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, I don't, oh. I haven't worked a day in my life in the last 30 years. Yeah. Like, I love what I do. This is not work. Like we're working you're right now. This is wrong. not work. You're not supposed to enjoy it. But I mean, that's what I remember here. Like you're not supposed to work. Isn't supposed to be fun. Right. I'm like, Oh my God. Right. Well. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm going to go out, work yeah. my ass off and hate my job and hey, come home and be miserable and watch TV. Like I don't yeah. want that life at all. It's not for me. Yeah. I've been there. I've been there. And, and certainly the entrepreneurial path is packed with struggles. And sometimes you can look at it and see everybody with their consistent the world and like, Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe they're onto something when you're having a bad day. Right. But then you just get back up and you go, all right. So 19 years yeah. old, you get that first building. How does that turn into you starting a mortgage brokerage that makes like a billion plus dollars? How does that happen? So I think, I think the universe gives you everything you want and you just have to be wise enough to see when it's coming your way and you need to act on the opportunity. So I didn't know when I moved down to Florida when I was, I think, uh, 21 years old, yeah, 22 years old. And I went down there because I wanted to be a multimillionaire and I wanted to get into real estate. I had no idea how I was going to do it. Still, I bought my first house and three or four years went by. I didn't buy another one because I didn't know how to do it. And so I went down to Florida and I had was Had you sold the house I, then at that point? Had you, you no, I kept it. Kept I kept it, it as a okay. rental. Yeah, I kept it as a rental. I had so that property for of the 16. Okay. 
a couple hundred dollars a month. It wasn't making a lot, you know, because I had a mortgage on it. wasn't making a ton of money. Went down to Florida and I was going to, I went through BSO, Broward County Sheriff's Department to become a police officer. I was a police officer up here in Southampton Village. I went down to Florida, went through this whole thing. Something inside me was telling me it's just not right. I had, I just mentally, I just, I woke up in the middle of the night sweating. I'm like, you know what? This is not my calling. Like something else is out there. So I didn't take the job. Ended up bartending. Now my whole family thinks I'm a complete loser because I'm bartending at the beach in, you know, in Florida. I had the greatest time of my life, but that job, taking that position, getting hired by this guy, Paul, and meeting this guy, Kelly, at the bar completely changed my life. Kelly met an older guy who was looking for a protege to train in the mortgage business. Come on. Kelly Wait, said, was he like a, a client at the bar, a customer at the bar? who just? Kelly was a Coke dealer bookie who came to the bar every night from 7 to 9. And he's looking for a Coke this, dealer protege? No, no. So he met somebody. <laughs> okay. he, he's like, kid, you I'm can like, definitely man, turn the coke. He's getting crazy. Okay. So, so Kelly, okay. who was a bookie yes, okay. and a coke dealer, okay. used to come to the bar. He was a good dude, didn't do his own drug, yeah. but he, he went through his own problems and he was a sales guy. But this is the life he ended. He was 60 years old. And I'm like, I never want to end up like right. this guy. But he saw something in me and he's like, what are you doing by the bar? You're going to end up like Rick. Rick was a bartender for like 35 years complete alcohol, drunk, stumbling, never did anything with his life. So Kelly was busting my balls for a good solid month. I met this guy, Rob. He wants to, he's hiring, he wants to hire somebody to train, just talk to the guy. So what happened? The old fear, the old unknown came creeping in my head. I don't have college. I'm not college material. I know nothing about finance. So all this self-doubt started creeping in. But because Kelly was who, who he was, he stayed on me like a father. And I'm so grateful for this guy. Like he just stayed on me. And finally, after 30 days, he's like, dude, did you call Rob yet? I go, I'll do it tomorrow. He goes, fucking tomorrow is never going to come. Pick up the phone right now. His big ass, you know, cellular phone that he had in the bar, <laughs> pick up the phone and call him and book the appointment. So I did it. And I call Rob and he's like, tomorrow morning, I'm having a meeting at my house, eight o'clock in the morning. I work at the bar till six in the morning. So I'm going to have no sleep. Yeah. Fast forward. I met Rob. I went to his house. He was doing this whole training thing. And I was intrigued. I said, I can't. There was like maybe eight to 12, maybe 14 people there. And I'm looking around and nobody had experience and they were all suited up and just professional looking. Here I was, Billy the bartender, complete disheveled wreck. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell am I even doing? It's again, self-doubt questioning myself. And afterwards, the guy Rob was talking. I pulled him aside. I go, Rob, I want you to be honest. How much do you make a year? And he was a nice guy, but he was not, he wasn't a shining he didn't have that personality. And he said, uh, you know, between you and me, I made 150 this past year. Now this was back in 92. And I looked at him. I said, you made 150 grand doing this. And he goes, yeah. I go, do I, I don't need any college. He goes, I will train you everything you need to do. I made my decision right then and there. I go, I will give you one year of my life. You tell me and train me everything, you know, I'll dedicate myself. I'll make you at least hundred grand this year on my own. But then after that, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing. He goes, you got a deal. And I worked every freaking day with that guy before the bar, after the bar. Like I still had my bartending job. I trained. And I got to tell you, man, I realized quickly how you can make money legally in that business and how you can help people. Like it wasn't dealing drugs. It wasn't like, it was like literally helping people. And that was my thing, help solving problems and helping people. And uh, I remember when I got out and I started working for a company, I got my first check and you know, it was $20,000 and then it was 30,000 for the month. And then $50,000, I was 24 years old, making ridiculous cash. 
saying, how in the hell? And I, I honestly questioned it. I'm like, is it legal? Because I'm making so much money at such a young age. And that was the, that was the, the moment where I said, I'm going to open up my own business. I'm going to open up my own bank one day. And I had this whole vision. Like I saw global before global existed. Like, you know, you just, you see things. Like I, I saw the whole thing, the way it was built. The only thing that didn't work out is I thought I was going to sell out the countrywide. They ended up not selling out the countrywide. I was going to take it public and the whole bottom fell out of the market and I lost everything. But it was the absolute best experience of my life because the opportunity presented itself and because Kelly, thank God for him, pressed me. If he didn't press me, I'd probably, I don't know if I'd still be a bartender, but who the hell knows what I'd be doing? Yeah. I have no idea. Just the opportunity came and I acted on it because I got pushed. That's awesome. You owe that push to a a Coke dealer. That's great. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great story. It's the truth. No, Coke dealer bookie. I know, but that's amazing. And you know, it also actually serves as another lesson, right? Like not to discount the value that anybody has in all sorts of areas, just because you disagree with, the value. Of, with what, they, what do. they do. Right. Yeah. Like everybody has value in some path. One thing somebody says to you can literally Change, change the trajectory everything. of your life. Yes, change everything. And it you, did. Which is really cool. I've had some people like that in my life and I, I will love them to the day I die, right? So you went to, now you're in this, you're working for the mortgage company and you branched out and you just created your own. At what, like, how old yeah. were you when you did that? Was that before or after the Air Force? <clears throat> that was after the Air Force. And so I did Air Force Reserves. I was in the Air Force Reserves for about probably four years. And then I ended up moving and I got out of the reserves. So that I did, um, I, I did the, the mortgage thing. I opened up my own company when I was 28 going on 29 years old is when I That's opened freaking it up. Awesome. And yeah. And I had it, you know, I didn't, I just had a few years underneath my belt. I think I was in the industry for maybe two, two and a half years. But before I opened up my own, a friend of mine, a friend of my brothers that lived up here, he contacted me and he always wanted to become wealthy and he said, what are you doing? And I was in Florida doing mortgages. And I told him what I was doing. And then he, again, aggressive, he went out, found the job doing mortgages, convinced the guy up here in New York that he was working for to make me a partner in an office in Florida without putting up any money. You got to meet this guy, Billy. He's aggressive. He's this. So I fly up to New York and I meet John, I meet Dave, and I meet all these different guys. And they all put up money. And I was the branch manager down here in, in Florida when I was in Florida. And I had a 20% or a 25% stake in business. And I put up none of my own cash and I ran it. And I was doing with, with a, a short amount of time, 100,000 a month, 150 a month, $200,000 a month. Like it started rolling. And then Dave had big visions. He's like, look, I want to grow this company national. I want to take it from the six states we're in to 50 states. In order to do so, I want to have everything underneath one roof in New York. And he made me an offer. He's like, look, come to New York. You can still run Florida and you can run New Jersey but I want you to do it from the New York office. I want to have everything underneath one, one, one umbrella. And I thought about it and it was an opportunity and something was telling me, take it. I just saw something big happening and I took it and I was there for about a year. And then I said, you know what? It's time for us to open up our own place. And myself, my partner at the time, we invested some cash. I put it for the license. It took us a long time to get the license, about a year, year and a half. I finally got approved and that was it. We were off and running and we just- How does that go when you know- I? I stop and I take it down the path that people come to me and ask me a lot. And I know that is are, are the questions that they have when they're trying to get past these roadblocks. Right. So for a lot of people, one of those roadblocks there to do from, to keep them from doing what you just did is feeling like beholden to that, your former employer or worrying about leaving them or yeah. not knowing how to do it without leaving in a bad, t you know, like they would feel 
how can I branch out from this person who took me up or how did you know it was the time? And what's the reality between people who understand business and know business and grow as opposed to what people think is going to happen when you make that? So I can tell you, yeah. So um, the whole thing in regards to, you you always want to leave off on good terms. And it was shaky with Dave. He had a, he had a hard relationship with my partner, John. They had a weird type relationship. So there was a major falling out not on my part, really on John's part, because there was a whole bunch of just lies and deception that went through that I didn't know about until two or three years later. I didn't know what kind of person my partner was until the real person eventually always reveals himself to everybody. And so I I based my going into partnership with him on the fact that he was just as aggressive as I was. Like I wanted to become a multimillionaire. He did too. My process of getting there was inspiring people, bringing people up and I guess adding a lot of value and his was not that way. It was more lies and punching and just, it just different way of which doing business. And so, but anyway, in, in regards to leaving, I can tell you, man, I don't, I don't know if everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur and everybody's cut out to go out and start their own business. That's like the business we have now, easy sell property solutions and max returns. I, I like shout from the top of my lungs. If you want to do this business, you don't need to go out there and face all the struggles and try to go through this and make no money for the first three to five years to get it going. Like I have entrepreneurs inside my business. These are people who have the entrepreneur spirit. They want to be able to grow. They don't want to be confined to a business where you have to work at nine, you leave at five. It's really corporate. I give my staff, my team members, the, the freedom to grow within us. If they bring in value, they can open up a branch. They can get a piece of the action. They could whatever, but that's the entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur. Yeah. A true entrepreneur that's going to go out there, it's not easy. Like, you know, you're doing it. it is, this is probably one of the toughest things you could do. You have to be well put together mentally. You have to have just deal with challenges that are going to be coming your way because it is probably one of the most hardest things you're going to go through because every day it's different and every, the weight of the world is on your shoulders as an entrepreneur. And when you have, as I had with the mortgage company, 950 families, the mouths to feed, that's a lot of responsibility on somebody's shoulders. Yeah, that is a lot. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here again, real quick, and we'll get right back to the episode with Billy Alvaro. But I want to let you know about a brand new shirt offer that we just dropped here at American Snippets. Uh, We like to say patriotism, not politics. Uh, It's something that I think is important right now in America. So uh, again, why are we doing this? We're giving away these top quality shirts as our way of reinforcing the American spirit. Because if you're like us, you realize America is still strong. It is still the land of opportunity. You believe we are all one and that we each have the right to pursue the American dream. And you appreciate all who serve, protect, and sacrifice to defend that right. And that's what these shirts represent. That's what these shirts are all about. So if you want to claim your free shirt, just head on over to americansnippets.com forward slash shirt. How many years did it take to build the company from, you know, opening up the doors to getting to a point where you had 915 or 50, would you say? 50. It was 950. You know, that in and of, that's a whole other story there. There's many lessons in that. We grew the company way too fast. Yeah. So I, I, I killed the company because sales and marketing outpaced operations. And 
the mindset I have now is really systems driven. Everything now is if there's a problem, I don't want to put a person on the problem. I want to put a system on the problem and create a process that's going to eliminate the problem and increase efficiencies. Back then when I had the mortgage company, because I didn't know what I didn't know, I threw bodies at problems and sometimes not the most qualified body at the problem because I didn't have the right processes to bring these people in. So we grew way too fast. We had within two years, we probably had 175 to 200 people within four and a half years. We had 800 people within six years. We had 950 people. We were in 42 States. It was, it was crazy. It was nuts. I grew too fast. If I didn't grow that fast, I probably still would have had the company. I just grew way too fast. I didn't know what I didn't know, but I have no regrets because everything I went through got me to where I am today. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe it's horrible. I'm like, it was the best fucking thing that ever happened to me. Like I, I got a Harvard education yeah. without going to Harvard. Yeah. And you don't <laughs> like feel the it value. at the time, right? You don't, maybe you don't recognize it at the time when you're taking the hits or maybe some part of you do. Or does, but no, I, I didn't to, recognize it at all. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was. Some part of your life. When, sometimes when things go like terribly wrong here, I'll look at my kids or I'll look at Dave and I'm like, at some point, maybe it's a week, a month, a year, or 10 years. At some point, what's happening right now is going to be really fucking funny. But right now, it's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But, but I know we're going to laugh about this one day. Like that's how I get myself through it. Or, you know, that there's going to be hidden value in it somewhere. But so now you get to a point and you've, you've done over a billion dollars of business in there and you realize you got to close the company. What happens in that process so now, after that? Yeah. So what, what I'm doing now is I'm trying to take the company public because I know that okay. there's a problem in the economy. The, the margins are starting to shrink, shrink considerably. You know, we went from 800 basis points that we were selling off to Wall Street to 600 to 400 to 200. So we basically just, we went margins from here to here, which when you have a company that size, it's going to start hemorrhaging. So we went from making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, million to losing $400,000 a month, like overnight. And so we took the company, we're like, all right, we have to go out and raise more money. We did a $4 million capital raise at first. That gate got us a $75 million credit facility, which is a warehouse line of credit where we can start doing deals. Then I needed, I really went out to the market to raise 10 million, but the guys who I got the money from, these Wall Street guys, only gave me four. You don't have to be the smartest man in the room to realize my plan calls for 10. You're giving me four, like there's a fucking shortfall, dude. <laughs> you say, well, you're gonna have to go out and raise more money. So we did we did just that. It took us another year and we had a group of companies that were all gonna be packaged together. It was a reverse merger and it was a $250 million market cap. And the First round investors that put the $4 million in, they did not like the deal because they weren't coming out with $4 million in cash. They were coming out with either 1.8 or 2.2 in cash. And then they were getting a percentage of the new stock and the new company. And bottom line, smart guys, but they were so damn smart that they just killed it. They didn't realize how to make a deal happen. And they ended up suing me. Yeah. And when they sued me, I had to go to the board because now here we have this company that's about to go public. And the board's like, we can't have this this whole calamity like this is yeah got make it go away or you're out so i went back to them they said they'll make it go away but they still have the option to sue me in the future and i go it's never going to work and the board said if you don't get it to go away permanently you're out and they ended up killing the deal and they said you'll never let the deal die meaning me these investors they said you have too much riding on it i go dude i'm at, I'm at my my last end here i had a million dollars my own money i just put in i had another million dollars i just put in i'm like i am not no longer going to be floating this business if this deal doesn't go through i'm fucking pulling the plug the guy, you won't do it. I go, watch me. And that was it. Overnight, I had to pull up. I had no choice. I had no more. I wasn't willing to take any more money out of my bank personally. 
to keep this thing going because I saw the way it was happening. I saw the market and I'm like, it, it's, it's over. That's it. And then overnight, that was the hardest. Actually, it wasn't. The first six months of me closing was probably the best six months that one year of my life because I had the stress off my shoulders. But then once reality hit and the lawsuits started hitting and the sheriffs were at my house every other day, then you know reality set in and I'm like, wow, this is, this is fucked. And I met another guy, people come into your life for reasons. I met this guy, Sam. And Sam went through what I went through in 2006 and seven. He went through that about 15 years earlier. He had a huge company and his company went upside down. He ended up losing everything, going bankrupt. And he pulled me aside when this whole thing was happening. Great guy. He's like, mark my words. This is what's about to happen. So prepare yourself. And he laid out the blueprint of what was going to happen in my life personally and what was going to happen with the lawsuits and who around me was going to start to fucking go the other way. And how this thing was going to pan out. And thank God he gave me some insights of what to do. And so I strategized and I protected as much as I could. But he was right on me. And I had everybody that was on my coattails when I had the business gone. Yeah. Like, you know, the Billy Gravy train was fucking over because the money was no longer coming in. I had some really good people that stuck by my side. But I, people show their true colors, you know. And, and I don't – I never held it against anybody. I never said, fuck you. But it's a miracle. It's magical. All of a sudden, you come back on top three, four, five years later, and everybody's knocking hey. at your door. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? And I was never rude, but I would never let them back into my circle. Yeah. Like, this is my fucking circle. My circle's tight, and I'm not allowing people in anymore that just want a free ride. Like, you got to bring value. You want to get involved with Billy Alvaro now? You have to bring value because yeah. I know what I bring to the table. Yeah, that's a huge huge lesson for me. That was a game changer when I was, you know, at the lowest of low, it's very hard for people to do. It's very hard sometimes to have the strength to kind of look around at the people around you and remove the emotion from it and just classify them. I triage people in my life. Now I put them in different categories. <laughs> I know, like, you know, people you who add value, people who are neutral and people who take value, you know, and you just put the, the time. Right. But it's hard. But what a game changer. Right. What a game changer when you do that, when you kind of call the herd, you clear that arena there and you just bring on the team that brings you that helps you move more efficiently and more powerfully through life. What did that do then when you when you built that, when you started that new company up, you're coming back up on top. And now this is a different company you started. Completely. Yeah. And it took me a long time, Barb. I was, I was really in a bad state for about three years. So what was going on like in those a, three years? Like what defined bad state? Bad state. I mean, I had, I had lost my house to foreclosure. I had lost the car to, to repo. They locked up my bank accounts. They, I had the sheriffs at my house every other day serving me with lawsuits. I had people um, across the street hiding in the bushes with video cameras taping me. Like it was bad. It was overwhelming. It was, it was the darkest time of my life. I had, I contemplated an attempted suicide. I went down to Florida for that reason. Like, like I, I got to a point, I'm not a weak man. I got to a point mentally in my life where I'm like, I, I don't see a way out of this. Like everywhere I turned, everywhere I looked, anything I did, there was, I was getting hit. And I was in such a negative state up here that I was creating, and I'm a firm believer because this was so negative. Everything else around me was becoming quadruple negative by 10 times negative. And I went down to Florida and I, I had this, <laughs> I had a come to Jesus meeting and it was hard. And I, when I came through and I made my, I 
made my mind up to fight, I came out fighting and I just went completely apeshit because I had a reason. And the reason wasn't just to live. The reason wasn't because of my wife or because of my family. The reason why is because these fucking attorneys, this is what got me, got me out of my state of killing myself. The attorneys that I was paying, I had six different law firms. They were charging me $48,000 a month. And as I was going through my process, only thing in my head that I started thinking was, they're fucking ripping me off. They're doing nothing. And it was all that stress of them, of me putting out money and nothing happening. I realized it's that that's causing me to feel like this. Like if I could just take care of this shit myself and end it and figure it out, I'm going to be able to come out. And I, I came out of this. And the next morning, I called the attorneys one by one. And I said, look, I'm going pro se in my cases. You're off the case. Any bill you have, you're going to eat it because I'm not paying you anything anymore. If you have $100,000, I'm not paying a dollar. You're crazy. You're going you're gonna to go down. It's, I go, look, I'm doing what I do. The internet was around. I went online. I did a, I did a search. And I, fa- I Google search. I found a thing called uh, Juris Dictionary Information Marketing Product. How to represent yourself in court and win. And I ordered it. Sent it to Florida. I read it. I go, fucking, I could, I could do this. Hired a paralegal from New Jersey. I go, look, you write the legal briefs. I will go to court. I know the judges are going to give me leeway because I'm a regular dude. I'm not an attorney. And Barb, one by one by one, I started winning. The $4.8 million, those guys had fucking sued me. That caused the whole thing that they said, we're not going to do the deal. We're going to force your hand. Well, they forced my hand. I went to court. I beat them. The next million dollars, I beat. 600000 I beat. 800000 I beat. And it wasn't like I beat it because I did something wrong. I beat it because I won because they didn't have any fucking proof that I did anything. Yeah. So one by one by one, I started winning. And it once I had that first win, and I, I just I felt everything shift. Like, I got a win because I was losing for three years. And then all of a sudden, that win happened. And like, it just, everything started happening. And the, the forward motion just didn't stop. And then it was 2009. July 4th, I came back to New York and it was Independence Day of all days. And I love it because it was the day that I, I realized my financial freedom. And it was that day that I made my mind up that I was going to get into real estate investing full time. And now you have to think, I still had all these lawsuits going on. They weren't all over. I still had lawsuits. I had 14 plus million dollars in debt that was either lawsuit driven or judgments against me or whatever it was. All this crap in this bucket that I was dealing with on the daily. And now here I am saying, I'm going to start an investment company. So there's two completely competing things. I still had a lot of time I had to spend here to yeah. deal with this because I'm going to court pro se. And I'm going to get this investment side. And no you're going to convince no people credit, to invest no with you when you have all that stuff going on. Exactly. <laughs> you should invest with me. I'm $14 million in debt. I got these courses. I'm your guy. Trust me. Yeah. How do you, Billy? <laughs> And, and I got to tell you, how did I do yeah. it? It's because I was 100% transparent yeah. and honest. And I didn't hide from it. The one thing I knew in life is that if you fucking lie, if you come out and you tell bullshit stories, the truth is going to fucking hit you in the ass. So if you just go out and tell the investors the truth, put your cards on the table and don't bullshit to them and say, look, here's what I did. Here's everything I won at. Here's what happened. Here's where I'm at today. But here's my plan for going forward. If you believe in me, Whatever you want me to do. And I gave up a lot. I was, I was paying out 75, 80% of the profits in the beginning. But I don't care because I got going. I got going again. And then, you know, I have this one dude, Lenny. He's been with me for, since I started, 11 years ago. He was like one of my first lenders. And he's still with me today. That's great. You know, the guy, I love the guy. He loves me. We have a great working relationship. And, and I never renegotiated in 11 years his interest rate, his points, nothing. Why? Because the guy took a bet on me 
And he backed me when other people were like, nah, you, you're too much of a risk. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that, right? What a great example of just going out there. Do you know, did you, how many people told you that you were crazy? Let's just ask that. If you could, if you had to throw a number at it. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone, you know, I, I had, I had people, you know, from close friends, the family, they're like, look, why don't you just get a job? I go, what? Like my mom, I love her. She's the best ever, but she's like, honey, daddy can get you a job at the town. Oh. I go, ma, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, it's not, I'm no disrespect. Yeah. I, it's not that it's a bit, but are you kidding me? Look at my personality. I can't sit yeah. like this. just not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, but everybody thought I was nuts. Everybody thought I should just take a breather and relax and Listen, this is relaxing. Doing deals and building business and connecting with people and doing podcasts and making shit happen and adding value to people's life. This is what life's about. Life is not about sitting behind a desk and, and doing nothing or you know, working for whoever. It's, life's about making shit happen. Yeah. So what would be your advice to somebody who calls you up today and says, Billy, I have 5 million things going wrong for me. I have no education. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just leaving this relationship. I'm headed out on my own. I have no experience, but I know that I can, I can do this and I just don't know how, but I'm afraid to try. Like, what would you, what would be your advice to somebody who wants to take that step, who wants to follow their path and build their business, but has no clue how, has no resources. There's a lot of objections, a lot of here, um, things that we'll hear and that we've been through. Look, it's easy for him to start a business. His parents gave him the money to start, you know, to buy that first house. It's easy for you to do this when you have those resources. What about the person who doesn't have resources, who has kids to take care of, who has a mortgage to pay? Doesn't. <clears throat> what would be some advice that you would give to them? So I could speak to that because I was $14 million in debt and I literally had no money, no job, no income, no credit, and a few thousand dollars left in a bank account. It was, it was that bad. And and it's funny you asked me about the how and the what, because that's exactly what happened to me July 4th, 2009. I knew what I wanted to do. It, the what was real estate investing. I did not know the how. If you have a big enough what and a big enough why, and I know the why thing is overutilized. Like you have to have a big why and it's your family. It's this. You just have to have a driving why. But really the why wasn't it. It was the what. When I figured out the what, and it lit me up, and I literally felt the hair on the back of my neck stand right up, when I knew the what, I said, I'll fucking figure out the how. I'll figure it out, but you have to know what you want to do. A lot of times, Barb, people want to get into something, and they really don't truly know what the what is, and so they end up going in a million different directions. When I got started in this business, I did one thing, real estate wholesale. I focused on one narrow avenue. And I put all my energies into that one thing and I figured out how to do it. And I spent all my hours studying and then implementing and then learning. I'm like, all right, this did not work. This did work. And then studying and then implementing. So to anybody out there who's listening, who thinks I got started because my mom and dad gave me money, it was a few thousand dollars on one house. I started, restarted my life, 14 million fucking dollars in the hole where my mind was completely mush where I had nothing going on. All I had was time, but I knew the what. Figure out your what, really a what. And don't get the red shiny object syndrome where you're bouncing all over the different ideas. Have a clear path and then drive. If you have that path, drive yourself to figure out what you need to do to do it. And my motto in the business, every day we have a 10-minute huddle with our sales guys and we end it with me asking or somebody asks a question, what are you going to do? 
and everybody in unison screams, whatever it takes. And literally in your life, you need to do whatever it takes to make shit happen. You can't allow the, I don't know how, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't have that. No, myself and Dave spoke earlier. You have to become resourceful and you need to fucking figure things out and you need to act. You need to implement. You need to make shit happen. And to my point earlier about Kelly, you need to look around. If somebody is, listen, people, things, stuff happens in our lives, you need to be aware enough to look and to say, you know what? This is, I'm going to go down. This is, a, I know my what, and this is now coming to my life. And this is part of my what I'm going to follow it. What you can't do is when every little opportunity pops around, if it doesn't go with your what of what you want to do, go start running down different roads. Cause now you're going to be splintered off and you get nothing done. Focus on the what drive yourself daily and never freaking quit and do whatever it takes. Awesome. And that is excellent advice also for right now, very timely because we're hopefully on the tail end of the COVID insanity that has everyone locked down. You've adapted your business to it. You're closing your, your brick and mortar kind of, you know, your foundation in person and you're moving all to virtual working. Everybody gets to work from home. Everybody gets to work from home. So this thing I never realized, I never in a million years thought that I'd have a virtual company. I mean, I was dead against it. Like I'm a guy who I'm a business person. I want to have an office and, and a staff and I got to tell you, COVID, as shitty as it was, and it hurt a lot of people, and a lot of people passed, a lot of goods come out of it. Like, we're shutting down the offices. We went 90 days virtual, and I realized I don't need an office. All my employees, most 99% of them, are happier. They're more productive. They have family life work balance. They're home with their kids. They work at night. They work in the morning. They're hanging out in the afternoon, having lunch with the family. Like, to me, this is like godsend. And I am looking forward to June 30th when we close up both offices and we go 100% virtual. Now, it's not easy. We had a lot of different workflow issues and things we had to figure out and how we're going to get things done virtually when we don't have an office. But it all comes down to systems, automation, and workflows. And we're getting it figured out. That's awesome. Billy, thank you so much. One question we have to ask before I cut you loose is, as we started talking about at the beginning, why we started American Snippets in large part is because we believe strongly that the American dream is still alive and well. but what we make sure to clarify is that we understand it doesn't look the same for everybody. It's not the white picket fence, the 2.2 kids, a house and all that, right? Everybody's got their own version of American dream. You've got people working for you who are living their version of it. You know, you're running this company. That's your version of it at, at the moment. But where, what does that concept, what does that term mean to you? What is that idea, that vision when somebody says to you, what, you know, what does the American dream mean to you? It, it's, it's one word and it might be overused, but it really is freedom. It's freedom to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and to do have it become whatever at any time. Like to me, the American dream is just being free. That's it. And it, whether it's you put a number on it, you have cash flow. For me, it's just being free. Listen, I'm making a ton of money. I'm extremely wealthy. I have a great business going on but I have the freedom to do what I want when I want it. And that to me is the absolute best success I could live at. Awesome. And if people want to learn more about you, want to connect with you, want to invest with you, want to partner with you, where can they go? Sure. Where can they go to do that? Yep. Thanks. So you can go to billyalvaro.com. That's Billy, A-L-V-A-R-O.com. And you can find me also on social media under the Unstoppable BA. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, I'm on there. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to do the training for our soon-to-be-launched Great American Syndicate. Super excited yeah. to have you as one of our founding premier premier lessons. That um, The American dream lives, baby! The American dream lives! <laughs> 
I love it. Billy, thank you so much. Absolutely. Good, good having me. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Billy Alvaro for being here as well and sharing his awesome story. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do us a favor, do us a solid and go over to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a five-star review uh, on the podcast on this episode. Let us know what you thought. You can also find us on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and YouTube at American Snippets. So connect with us there as well. Don't forget, we do a full featured article on every one of our guests each week over at americansnippets.com. It's a featured article of the week. You can watch the full video interview there with Billy, uh, read the article. We also include some social media links that you can use to follow Billy Alvaro on social uh, and a, a link there to his website as well. And finally, don't forget to take advantage of our free shirt offer. If you'd like a patriotism, not politics shirt, just head on over to americansnippets.com forward slash shirt. Uh, and that pretty much wraps it up. So uh, appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. See you next week. <music>